Bear, bear, bear. Gently bear, bear, bear. Thanks for listening to Grand Craft Beer, Ben's premier beer podcast exploring everything beer in Central Oregon with your host, who's a Cicerone and the author of Oregon Breweries, Brian Yeager. I am your host, Brian Yeager, and I'm super excited to be joined by Melanie Betty, one of the three owners and the brewmaster at Spider City Brewing here in Bend. Welcome. Thanks. Good to be here. There's so many directions that we could take this in, but... I'm going to throw you for a surprise uh, start to our show. I know this is not a visual uh, medium, but I am presenting Melanie with a plaque, a a People's Choice Award plaque for uh, Cherrywood Smoked, your uh, year-round smoked beer. This was entered (laughs) into the... Uh, different Smokes Beer Festival just a, a short while ago. We had uh, 20 different smoked beers. And for the first year, we had a People's Choice. Congratulations. That was a fully legit win by That's, you and your, your beer, your brewery. That is so <laughs> awesome, Brian. I am I am just floored. I am so excited. I, I love that <laughs> beer, and I'm so glad people love that beer, too. I, so tell me about this, because first and foremost, Spider City is the only brewery in Bend that makes the smoke beer year-round. Correct. That is correct. Yes, because we love, we our, our fans love it. Our customers love it. Good to hear, because um, I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. And it's just, it's just such a unique beer. It, and it's, you know, amber in color. And so it's a great beer to have just all year round. It's got that peatiness. It's good to take home and have, like, with a cigar or when you're... Are you a big cigar smoker? Uh, well, or even a small cigar I, smoker. Just a small one. <laughs> I, I limit myself to like three cigars a year because I don't want it to ruin my palate because it enough. can kind of taint your palate. But um, yeah, people love this beer. Like I said, it's got kind of has that peatiness, that hickory smoke. We were going more for that style as opposed to um, fire smoke. That way, you know, it's just a little bit uh, more full bodied. There's more of a Oh, a roundness and kind of a yumminess going on with that beer. Super yummy. And you mentioned hickory, but of course, the, as the name of the beer implies, it is a cherrywood smoked beer. It is cherrywood. Almost every other smoked beer will use a beechwood or perhaps an alderwood or an oak smoked. How in the world did you stumble across a cherrywood smoked malt? Well, I was looking for something, a different style of a smoked malt. And so people, like you said, people use beechwood, they use oak. And I happened to come across cherrywood as I was researching, and I just kind of read about it, ordered some, smelled it, tasted it, and I was like, this is the profile that I'm going for. I wanted it to be more of that sort of, it comes across as kind of when you when you eat barbecued chips exactly. or mesquite, you know, that kind of profile. And so sometimes you can't get that, even though there's a... Uh, an applewood out there or something like that. Even Sometimes when you use that type of malt, it won't evoke the flavor profile that you're going for. Because so, a lot of those other ones, <clears throat> obviously beechwood being the most common prevalent for, uh, you know, the, a rauch beer, the, yes. the German word uh, smoke beer. And they have a really big campfire bonfire aroma to them. But yours has this really interesting savory barbecue note yes so it's not it's not bonfire it's not ashtray it's not bacon even like some of them uh i think that's what makes it such a really good food friendly beer yes yes and it goes great with 
barbecue goes great with if you're going to do like a bacon burger. Yum. It would be so good <laughs> with that pork. So and and the way the way I try to make my beer, I try to make it very food friendly and very balanced. So our beer is meant to be drunk while you're eating as well. Well, let's talk about that also. As you mentioned, your beers are designed to be food friendly. You only allow yourself three about <laughs> three cigars a year so as to not wreck your palate. Uh, I believe you are both a sommelier and a Cicerone, right? Yes, I'm not Cicerone certified. Uh, You're not? I'm not cis- technically oh, Cicerone, Cicerone certi- certified beer server. Is that Correct. the level yes. level one yes. on the Cicerone three, four yes. tier Yes, I mean, ladder. I could go for it, but I don't sure. have that much time to do <laughs> You're very busy. Uh, but yes, I am a sommelier. And so um, just coming from a wine background and being to taste, you know, uh, I used to taste 150 wines a week. Wow. I traveled all over the world uh, tasting different wines. But every time I go to a wine region, I'm always seeking out the breweries in that wine right region on. and always have um, just because I love beer so much. And I was so intrigued by the whole process of brewing, um, especially when I was in Bruges um, and tasting in those old Belgian breweries there in Belgium. It really kind of inspired um, sort of a passion in me of of that, I think I can I can make some cool, interesting recipes that a lot of other people aren't aren't doing. Well, let's get back to Bruges in just one quick second. But I am curious if your love and your passion for wine predates your love and passion for beer, or if they emerge at the same time, or if the beer came first. Um, I would say I I, th- I think my passion is. Uh, both emerged at the same time. Okay. Um, you know, when you drink a lot of wine, you kind of want to pop a nice, crisp beer. And all of the winemakers say they make their best wine while they're drinking beer, right? That, what's the expression? It yeah. takes a lot of beer to make good to wine. To make good wine, right. So it's kind of that, uh, I think um, they complement one another, right? And there's certain times when you want to drink a beer and certain times when you want to drink a wine. Um I love wine in the sense that there's so many different regions uh, in the world that in, in you could have a Cab Franc from um, Chinon in France, or you can have a Cab Franc from Walla Walla, and they taste completely different. Cab Franc from Italy, say, you know, t- completely different. Just like when you're drinking different beers, you can have a smoked beer from Poland, and you can have a smoked beer from Germany, and they taste somewhat different. And that's what Certainly. makes it that's what makes it so much fun. That that difference, um, those different styles, and even being in the United States and tasting from brewery to brewery, East Coast breweries as opposed to West Coast breweries, Certainly. they are different. Now, so, also, it's not just that you drink beer and wine styles from around the world, but as I understand it, a lot of your inspiration for the beers that you brew come from world travels. Yes. So yes. let's let's dive into sort of that. You know, which came first, chicken and egg. Was it your love of travel that inspired brewing these beers from around the world, or perhaps that you wanted to go to the birthplace of these wine and beer styles, and that is what led to that type of global exploration? I think it was more of the fact that uh, tasting in these different areas, just happening to be there, uh, you know, while I was on wine travel and wanting to experience the beer in those regions is what kind of got me into making those styles. So when I make our Alpenweiss or Huta Hefeweizen, 
those are very much done in the Swiss German style. And so I think trying to stay true to as much as I can to the traditional styles of, the, of what, what a Hefeweizen or a Weissbeer should be. I really, I really like that I don't really want to make an American-style Hefeweizen. Um, so trying to stay true to, to that original style as close as possible, being in Bend, Oregon, and having you know our water profile and everything that goes into the malts that you order. Um, so I guess I would say, you know, it, it was basically the traveling that got me, you know, more into the beer, I would say. Right on. Yeah. Now, also, so you go to Spider City. Uh, you're on Ninth, correct? Ninth and Reed Market. Ninth and so right, just right Southeast off of Reed side. Market. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there's always, you know, between twenty and twenty-four beers on tap. I think there's about twenty-two at the moment. Yes. <laughs> uh, walk us through which one of those beers, like, how do you when when you think about whether it's a Polish wheat or a Swiss style or you have so many, you know, truly global uh, styles of beer. Walk us through what you've gone, what you've got on tap at the moment. And maybe if they were, if if any of those beers was inspired by one of those trips. Sure. Uh, for sure, Alpenweiss mm-hmm. was inspired by uh, a, a trip to Switzerland. Um so that beer was basically done in a Swiss style. So being in Switzerland and drinking a half of Eisen from a brewery in Switzerland, trying to taste that beer and saying, oh, okay, this is, this, is, this is what I'm getting off this beer and this is the profile, profile I'm looking for when I'm building this, this uh, malt recipe and what kind of hops are, am I going to use in this. So that's definitely one. Um, I've never been to New Zealand, but I love New Zealand hops, and I love Australian hops and South African hops. So our Waimea Pale Ale is made with 100% Waimea uh, hops out of New Zealand. I think you and your sister have a a, a pilgrimage to go on. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we, uh, I love that beer. It's a pale ale. Whenever I go to breweries, I always seek out a pale ale because I want to have a you know two or three, and I, I don't want a 7.4% percent um, beer, so I'm always looking at 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 pale ales. Another very big compliment I want to give to the Spider City beers. They're all in that mid range, not all, but predominantly in the mid range. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a a, a double digit percent beer from you. No, have we have a barrel aged our barrel aged porter on that's thirteen point eight. Okay, there we go. But that's di- One yeah, that's a high gravity. Lumbering, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> but generally speaking, um six point four for an IPA is kind of where I want to be, six point seven. I don't really want to get into the sevens. Um I feel like they can get kind of sugary at that point. Mm-hmm. Lots and of residual sweetness. Yes, yes. At that and, point. and one of the one of the Jokes I always like to tell people, if you know, you can drink a lot of Spider City beer and you will not wake up with a hangover the next morning <laughs> because I do try to dry those beers out. I don't want to leave a lot of residual sugar in there. And I found that I find that and found that when I traveled abroad, there, a lot of the beers uh, in Europe, they are on the dry side. And because they're, they do go well, you want them to go well with food. So they're not really palate wreckers. Now, I'm always um, curious about this thinking about dryness in beer, especially IPAs and things that are going to naturally be over six, you know, approaching 7%. Are you using some adjuncts that will be super fermentable? Are you 
uh, fermenting? Are you using super yeast? Are you just fermenting longer periods of time? What are, what are your tricks that you turn to to achieve uh, a really nice level of attenuation? I will. Uh, I I don't subscribe to rushing a beer. So it my my beers do take a little bit longer, uh, but that's I I want the beer to be at to taste um, to have that. So I'm constantly tasting them as they're fermenting, uh, constantly taking um, you know gravity readings. Uh, but the the yeast that I use has a has has a um, it attenuates uh, takes a little bit longer to attenuate, but it gives off. Uh, a nice flavor, and I, I use all different kinds of yeast. I won't use the same yeast, mm. um, but it will. It, it takes a certain period of time for that that beer to get to the level of dryness that I want. And once it hits that point, then kind of the beer is done. Um, so you know, it, sometimes it'll finish a little higher, sometimes a little lower. It just kind of depends. I'm talking about like a one or two point range, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes you can't control that. It is what it is. So. So it sounds like maybe I know a lot of big breweries that are obviously maybe this is more for production beers. Maybe these are beers that they're pushing out into farther markets beyond their home market. Uh, But consistency is such a big target for brewers. And I personally have always said, I don't need the beer to be consistently flavored. I just need it to be consistently good. Right. It's so true. (laughs) You know, it it is an agricultural product. You're going to have variances in your in your yeast strains, your your malts, your hops, any other ingredients, uh, how does that drive what you are aiming for in your different batches and your recipes? So you're saying the difference in ingredients, like what? Right, like or or just a beer in general. I mean, again, if with over twenty beers in your in your repertoire, yeah, your repertoires. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think yeah. if I was going to go repertoire yeah. or stable. Yes, uh, two different <laughs> directions, but it's kind of you know it's interesting. You, for instance, like grazing goat takes twenty one days. I can't, I can't can't get it to go faster than that. That's just that's just the way it is, um, and that's one of our flagship beers, and we sell the most of that beer. That one's always in high production. We, you know, we we distribute that in all all of Oregon and all of Washington State. Um, and so I, I've heard of people having IPAs finish in like seven to ten days, and I just yeah. look at them and I'm like, wait, what? How can you even get a good beer coming out at at that point? And um, one of the biggest things before we ramped up our production was to make sure that we could brew our all of these beers that we have on our wall consistently, time and time again. So once I knew I could get four or five batches the same, hitting the same gravity. Um, same flavor profile, I was like, okay, now we can can these beers. Now we can really start promoting these beers. But I won't promote a beer until I know that it that I've consistently made it at least three to four times. Um, hops play a huge role in it. So one of the beers that we make is called Deer Garden. It's It's got a few different hops in it, but Mosaic is one of those hops. Well, Mosaic can kind of, and people won't be able to see this, but it goes up and down, up and down. It's like when you're cooking, right? If you use basil or oregano or rosemary, if that if that basil is not is kind of muted, that's going to affect your final dish, right? Same thing with mosaic; that can affect affect the final affect the final beer. Certainly. Um, 
And so I found using things like uh, Citra Mosaic, they do have a tendency to be really good or, you know, just mm-hmm. um, just par, and then they're kind of good again. And as a brewer making an ag- agricultural product, you are, you're using ingredients that you don't have control over. So this is like uh, adding spice to your, I always talk about adding spice to your spaghetti gravy, right? Sometimes it's going to be really good, and sometimes it could be, you know, muted a little bit. It still doesn't mean anything's wrong with it. It just it's the ingredients that you're that you use, and hops do play a huge role in beer. <laughs> well, you bring that up, and one of my personal favorite beers of yours. I don't see it very often, but I know I've had it more than once or twice. You know, you talk about grazing goat. You have the the as we were kind of discussing before uh, hitting record. You have uh, a series of West Coast IPAs that somehow coincidentally are all uh, with the goat theme. Yeah. <laughs> you have the more hazy New England style range of IPAs with the deer theme. Uh, but you, and again, you, you you were talking about spice. You have the spicy goat, which yes. is a Serrano chili IPA. Yes, Serrano pineapple. Serrano pineapple, exactly, exactly. Yes, Serrano pineapple IPA. It's a little IPA. sweet and heat going on yes, at the same and that's, time. Yes, that's actually my sister's recipe. So I did Please all the base give her, on that. Uh, yes. My my uh, kudos. She said, I, "Let's I love do that. something with serrano peppers and right pineapple." And I was like, "Really?" And so uh, we we really collaborate really well. We're identical twins, and we collaborate really well uh, uh, together. Um, Which one other, of you is older? I'm guessing she's twenty minutes older. Oh, okay. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so that's a great. That has been so popular. The spicy goat. Um, Good it's, to hear. It's got just the amount, the right amount of heat to it. It's great with tacos. It's great with. Uh, I had Mexican one batch food. where I was like, "Ooh, all right, I'm really getting that in the back of my throat." But usually, it's a very even killed flavor enhancer. There's not actual like a capsicum burn to it. Right, right. And again, it's supposed to be balanced, and that beer was supposed to be, It's supposed we made it to to go with food. Um, We we were, my sister and I were, uh, she was just up here last week, and we were burning um, at our house, and uh, we actually, I had two cans of it because I had just canned it in the refrigerator, and so we popped open two 16-ounce cans, and she's like, oh, my God, it's so good (laughs) while we were burning. So it was it's just fun to do. Good to hear. I will I will get in a little request here, just like you're the only brewery in Bend unafraid to do a smoke beer year-round. No one else has a chili beer year-round. Oh, yeah. And, you know, not to say that I don't love a lot of the very modern styles, but I, I still remember chili beers, and I think about Kalapuya out yeah. of uh, Salem, and they had a green chili beer year-round, so... Well, something it might be to think something about. we'll look into into doing. People do ask for it. Right now, it's we do it uh, pretty much once a year, but who knows? We'll see. There we go. <laughs> uh, I also want to discuss, so of these 22 beers that you have on tap, uh, I know they're all coming off of your, your larger production system, your 15-barrel system, but of course, you trained on a more manageable homebrew system. I believe that same system is still in use as your pilot system at the brewery. Yes, yes. So we bought a Sabco system, great company to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really it it mimics what you do on on your large system. So our small system, we have four small fermenters um, that we use uh, still use uh, in the brewery uh, um, today, and we will brew recipes on there and 
put them in the tap room to get feedback from our from the public from the customers like do they like this beer um do you, do we think it could get you know advance onto our pilot i mean onto our large system our 15 barrel system um and so we still use that today any success stories that have come off of that anything that you weren't maybe sure of you guys thought ah, i don't know if this is really going to Find an audience, but then lo and behold. Well, our American Strong Ale, that was one that we had right. on our pilot system that we put on, on our on our large system. Uh, Spicy Goat was one that we had on cool. the small system. <laughs> People were like, how come you're not brewing this on the big system? We want more of that. That was one. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm coming out with a new one that we had out in the, a new kind of a, a different West Coast IPA, like in the West Coast style with a couple different uh, hops. Uh that it's going to be somewhat similar to Grazing Goat, you know, West Coast style, that I had on the pilot system that people really liked. So that that's going to kind of go into production probably in probably January. So I'm excited about that beer. That's going to use some Australian hops in it. Very good. Yeah. Now, also, I know that several of your beers happen to be single hopped beers. Is that a direction that you enjoy going in? And do you think that a cleaner, simpler hop bill translates to more of that hop character for the consumer or there are people who you know they're throwing six seven eight varietals in a beer they just think you know let's round this out and make sure that it's really i don't know more easily replicable is that a word yeah yeah (laughs) duplicative i don't know you know what i'm saying like a beer that could be remade yeah and uh if you can't get one varietal you could throw in more of another or throw in some sort of overlapping varietals. Yeah, I mean, I love showing uh, customers a single hopped uh, beer because I want them to... So if Waimea is put in another... Um, with other hops, you kind of lose... You can lose that, the, the flavor of the Waimea hop. So like our Pilsner our Pilsner Enigma, which is a Enigma hops from uh, Australia. Australia yep. And then I do a Pilsner Hallertau Blanc. I've done uh, other single hop, like a, a 100% Equinot beer. Um, I, I love for the public to kind of see, oh, God, this is what this hop tastes like. Um, and I think it's important for them to, I think it's important to have a, a simpler um, malt bill or malt recipe so that it doesn't, um, it doesn't like mute the the or cloud the flavor profile of what you're tasting. So I'm I'm Italian and I'm a big believer in the way Italians cook. Five five ingredients is kind of all all you need. So when I'm building my recipes, my malt recipes, I'm I'm thinking that way. Like I don't want to over um I don't want to over overshadow or muddle. That's the word I'm looking for. Muddle muddle the recipe up so people kind of don't know what what they're drinking. Now with my dark beers, I, I you know, I throw in a <laughs> lot of different um, malts in there because it, you, you know, you want it, it's it's very complex. They're built on specialty grains. They are, grains. yeah, specialty yeah. grains kind of make make it. Um, but I, I feel like it's, there's so many really good hops out there that if, if you can taste that single hop, you're like, oh wow, I really love kind of this New Zealand style hop and not a lot of people use Waimea and I picked Waimea because everybody was using other New Zealand hops and I wanted to use something different. Enigma is the same thing like everybody uses Galaxy or used to a lot. I wanted to use Enigma because I wanted to put a different hop out there that people haven't tasted. I will tell you I I know 
I'm very cognizant of the fact that I do a whole bunch of niche beer festivals and maybe there could be hard for some people to get into, but I keep threatening to revive the smash beer fest, the single malt, single hop. You should, you should. That's really fun to do. That's going to be a project for 2024. So consider this Spider City's pre-invite because you already like to go in that direction. And like when you mentioned your Hallertau Blanc hopped Pilsner, you know, especially in this world we're living in, we have Czech Pilsner, German Pilsner, Mm -hmm. but now we have Italian Pilsner. We have New Zealand Pilsners and all these things. Uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never seen a single-hopped Hallertau Blanc beer at all, let alone a, on a Pilsner base. Yeah. And, you know, obviously a lot of those single, a lot of those smash beers will be pale ale IPAs because the whole point is to showcase what that hop could do. Right. But people also forget that, hey, not every beer is an IPA, so you don't have to see, you know, every beer has hops. Why not showcase what they could do on different styles. So just that level of adventurousness. And then, of course, the whole adventurousness of which hop varietal to use when I think a lot of consumers today know very well what Strata does, Mm -hmm. certainly what Citra does, Cascade, some of the old school ones. But when you talk about, like you're saying, Enigma, uh, Equinaut's been around for a while, perhaps, but I don't know I could have a single hopped Equinaut beer and pick it out where the way I could with some of my other favorites. I, I'm still a, a Simcoe guy. Yes, I love, I love um, Simcoe. I love Sabro as one of the newer ones, mm-hmm. but I only know that I love Simcoe and Sabro and, you know, Mandarina, Bavarian, whatever they have, because I have had the opportunity to have that single hot beer. And as brewers, you guys get to do a lot of experimentation, but I think it's important for the consumer to understand what the brewers showcasing in different beers. Yes, yes, and what's great about that is getting the consumer to kind of see the world that we're in. You know, trying to make it um, creative and exciting, and also to, when you isolate that hop, you really like Hallertau Blanc kind of has this honeydew melon mm-hmm. profile to it, and so it pairs really well with Pilsner malt, um, and it's just a crushable beer, um, and so I think. Allowing the consumer to, to, to taste these single hops really, you know, it advances their palate. That's one thing that I always try to do with wine, too, is to, it's, try to try to have consumers think outside of the box and advance their palate. And there's so many different beers out there, and there, you can be really creative with beer. Um, and it's fun, to, it's fun to drink different beers, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it just makes it so enjoyable to pop something new. Well, so that said, I'm going to put in a either a request or a recommendation, but then I'm going to counter that because, well, here, here's what I'll do. I'll start with by saying, as you mentioned, you are Italian. Yes. A lot of your beers are inspired by travel. Yes. When I think of Italian beers decades ago, I thought about chestnut as the primary <laughs> Italian ingredient. I think that the Italian government may have even been subsidizing brewers to use up chestnuts, <laughs> chestnut flour. I feel like I had read that. But I really am a huge fan of the IGA, the Italian grape ale. Yes. Of course, a, a marriage of Italians' super powers when it comes to winemaking and incorporating that into the brewing realm. 
have you ever made an Italian grape ale, but at the same time, you have 22 beers on tap, and I know customers come in all the time, what's new? (laughs) What beer haven't I had before? Guess what? If you're here again, it's because you've been here before and you liked it the first time. What's wrong with having the same beer two times, maybe even three or (laughs) 30 times? So it's a it's a complicated dance that brewers have to do between brewing what you know you're good at, but also somehow, uh, you know, placating this this customer today. That's always what's new, what's new, what's new. What what haven't I had on? What haven't I ticked for untapped yet? It it is it is hard to keep everybody happy with with new beers all the time, right? I, I make the joke of it's like asking a French pastry chef to come up <laughs> with a new recipe every month. You know, they would they would kill you. you know? Sure. <laughs> I'm making my cho- chocolate croissant, you know, the best I, I can. Now you want me to come up with something different. So um, doesn't need and, to be a pastry stout yeah, yes. as a pastry. Doesn't need to be a hazelnut strawberry shortcake chocolate right. croissant. It could just be a beautiful, elegant chocolate croissant. Yes. And that beer could be a beautiful, elegant version of that beer without having to tart it up each Right, week. right. <laughs> and just making a good, clean beer every time uh, that in that consistency. Um, it's, it's hard when you have a production facility. You have to keep your core, you know, brands on because people expect that. But you have to keep your distributors happy. But then you always want to have something new and something fresh on the board so that when people come in, they're like, oh, okay, cool. This is, I haven't had this before. So that whole scheduling of trying to schedule that and keep that going and fresh and seasonal beers and kind of introducing new things, I think that's been somewhat of the large, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, for us as a new brewery, even though we've been around since 2018. Um, Just trying to figure that out. At this point, only five years in, you've managed to rise out of that notion that it is brand new or even only five years old. Right. You have a a very well-established reputation locally. And I will tell you, because I get people who come to town all the time, hey, haven't been to Bend in, you know, since whatever year, where should I go? Oh, great. Uh, But they often... When they say, should I go here and here, I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this to blow <laughs> cherry wood smoke. <laughs> a, Spider City is usually on their, their short list. So oh, the reputation exists locally, but also has has permeated uh, into beer pilgrim land. Oh, great. Oh, that's so... <laughs> I hope you already knew that. <laughs> that's so great to hear. I'm always so busy that a lot of times I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not really out there like listening to what people are saying and stuff. I hope I hope, you know, we're doing a good job. We always want to make really good beer. We're all we're all about the quality and consistency. It's beer that we like to drink. Like we want to we're we're the hardest on ourselves. You know mm. what I mean? Like Tammy and Michelle, Tammy the other owner, and Michelle is, you know, my twin sister. The three of us will get together, we'll pop a beer. It's so funny. Sometimes I'll say to them, I don't know, is this good? You know, is this, and they're like, yes, this is good. And I'm like, I I just, I don't know. You know what I mean? And they're like, no, 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 this is great. This is great. They'll be somewhere. They'll take six packs with them or four packs. I'm headed down to San Diego. I'm taking beer, you know, for our soccer team. And it's just so nice to take it to different people 
when they pop it open with friends and 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 other people at this to say oh my god people loved this you know whatever we opened they loved the pumpkin ale they loved the cherry wood smoked it's like oh, okay that's great it's kind of a validation you know what i mean that you that you are making good beer not 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 to not not for your ego just that you're put you're you know you're making something that somebody's mm-hmm. consuming and you want it to be good and you want them to enjoy it amen you mentioned soccer team tell me about the soccer team so i'm still so i came up here from san diego in like 2004 but my sister my, my sister and i play you know outdoor soccer and so i'm heading to, i'm still on my outdoor soccer <laughs> team in san diego so i'm heading down there for thanksgiving wow. and i have a game on sunday i try to play like three or four times a year what, so what do you play what's your position i play defense or outside mid but usually usually like outside d um and then, uh, so my sister said, bring down, because we just canned the grazing goat, bring down grazing goat in the, we make a seltzer, a blackberry seltzer and also oh, an apricot seltzer. Right. And she's and like, bring that down. you've even done a barrel-aged version yes, of that. Yes, I don't think yes. I've ever seen, I'm sure it has existed. Yeah. If you say it, someone's already done it. But I have never come across another barrel-aged hard seltzer. Well, I figured I had this seltzer, let me throw it in this wine barrel and see what right happens. On. And it, it's so good. You know, it picks up those sour kind of notes like you would a sour beer when you're barrel aging a sour beer and i'm um, not the target demo for seltzers i just m- mostly because they're kind of one-dimensional but i could absolutely imagine just like a barrel aged beer really rounds out every single rough edge and adds layers and layers of complexity that it must do the same for a seltzer i I don't think I had it a does. apricot. I feel like I had a cherry. Did you do a barrel-aged cherry one? I did one? a barrel-aged cherry one. I think that yep. was the first yeah. one I tried. Yes, yes. Apricot seltzer, We that's basically one that we just can. Uh, I haven't really put that in a barrel yet. I did a currant seltzer, mm. which was really good. Um, and then what we do with our seltzers is we use fresh fruit. So a lot of people will use extract. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, just because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sensitive to extract. I can taste that in a, in a beer. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't like the way that it tastes, um, a little bit fake to me. I can get that, that flavor profile. So that's why I use fresh fruit. You can have problems with fresh fruit, but if you know how to manage and mitigate things happening in the cellar, you can, you can totally use puree or fresh fruit in your beer or and seltzer. It, and not, not that you have a lot of fruited beers, the pineapple from the spicy goat aside, um, obviously we do two other a, a sours. Sour, like, a, does the grisette have? No, but or our, the goza. The goza. So we do it. our we do, we have a kettle uh, a kettle sour series. So we've done our soleil ruby is a mixed berry sour. We get great accolades on that. That's blueberry, blackberry, and raspberry. That's just a kettle sour. And then our goza is made with, uh, you know, in the goza German style, German sour. But we um, we actually hand zest lime, fresh lime in it, and lime juice. So that's Yum. why it's so good we're using fresh product. It takes a while to do. We always do a 15-barrel batch of it. Um, and so lately we've done a Marionberry kettle sour, you know, using Marionberry from Oregon. Um, and again, it's kind of one of those things... You know, like the girls on our soccer team, a lot of them don't like beer, so but they'll drink a kettle sour. So that was really pushed by Michelle. Like, we have to have a sour because, like, when we go out after the games, we, you know, not everybody wants mm-hmm. to drink beer. They're not beer, beer people. And so that sour kind of bridges the gap with those who don't love, 
you know, IPAs or pale ales or things like that. So we always try to have our sours on. Well, I love it because that just sort of brings it full circle. You have a lot of international beer styles as well as very Oregon-centric beer flavors and ingredients. Yes. we. You, have, you know, it's, it's kind of like... I always say wherever you're located, you, you, you should make what what that area wants to drink, right? And we are very much an IPA-driven culture here in the Pacific Northwest and West Coast. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love hoppy beers. I love drinking the Grazing Goat. I love drinking the Deer Hugger. Deer Garden's one of my, one of my favorite beers um, to drink. We actually won the Brewfest for uh, Deer Garden. Um, but I, I, lo- I love hops, you know, and I found that out when I was in, in uh, England. I was drinking in one of the pubs there, and I was drinking their pale ale and their IPAs, and they're very bitter mm-hmm. and hop-driven. And I, you know, when I tasted those beers, I was like, I really, I do really love hops. <laughs> right. You know, the world, the, the craft beer world is absolutely enamored with Southern Hemisphere hops at the moment. We are fortunate enough to live in the Pacific Northwest. We have our own regional hops. And of course, with the lager renaissance that is in full effect, uh, the the noble hop family is getting a spotlight. But people do forget that Kentish hops are very much a thing. Yes. <laughs> and and if you know the birth of American craft ales were were ancestors of those English varietals, yes. uh, it's important to remember that that you know. Fuggles are still a thing, right? Right. And uh, East Kent Golding is is still very much a thing, and they're great hops to use too. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It would be fun to do. Oh, it'd be great to just do an English fest where everybody makes an English, you know, an English style beer uses an English hop, and you know, there's just there's a different malt bill that goes into that making that beer, and I just feel like it would kind of open people's eyes up to like the originality of where kind of things started. It's very dangerous to give me yeah, an yeah. idea for a beer <laughs> festival, uh, and my wife is going to get mad at you for even having said that out loud. But I think that we should put this out there. I think that Spider City would be a phenomenal venue for a beer festival because oh. you have a lot of indoor space. You have two different rooms that are connected. You have that huge, huge uh, parking lot. I we think, could totally do it. Yeah. I think it I think it Let's falls on you. Let's get together on that. I think yes. Yes. I'll Let's I'll put it. something together and then we'll we'll I'm, we'll talk I, I, I think will help in really any way fun. I can. Okay. But okay. I think an all English beer festival is even though it's not I mean, be, let's be very, very honest. It's not the sexy thing right now. Right. No one's out there going, "Oh, I love this new, you know, th- these bitters <laughs> that are coming out." Yeah. Oh, oh, a special bitter? Like no one is saying that. But at the same time, whenever I see a bitter on tap, it is my kryptonite. I have to order it because I want to reward the brewer for remembering yes. that that is a thing and for having the courage it's, to brew it and and put and have it occupy one of those valuable handles. So, it's so true. I'm like that in a brewery too. If I see like an ESB on the board, I'm full, I'm totally getting that. I want something that's different, you know. Then I'll try something else from them. But I want I I gravitate towards the different stuff on the board. Well, I feel like January February, I the weather here screaming for yeah English right English we'll get style. some we'll get some chestnuts roasting on an open fire yes. out in that parking lot <laughs> we will 
get someone to make a stiffy, a sticky toffee pudding. Yes, yes. Maybe uh, I can get an in, English In food band. form, not even in beer form. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Who you know? Obviously, the bands that are always playing down at the cellar. You know, Porter Brewing's the cellar. Yes. Would be perfect for yes. that. Yes. All right. We'll this do is it. the origin. Okay. <laughs> Melanie, thank you people. so much for coming in. Thank you also for collecting your. People's Choice Award for Best Smoked Beer at the 2023 Different Smokes. Thank you so much, That's why much, I kept Brian. trying to get a hold of you. I yes, I was like, he's got you. something to give me. What can he possibly have? <laughs> it oh, my was God. Just this is, I, I'm going to share it with the girls. We're really going to relish in this. Good. I want to tell you, actually, so there are about five beers that were just the top vote getters. Every beer, of course, all the 20 had votes. No one... No one was ignored by the people. And there were, you know, a couple hundred people there. I don't know if I, well, they're in Vermont, so they're not going to know this. But I had some uh, switchback beer because they're really big on smoke beers. This is at a Burlington, Vermont, Spider City, bested switchback by one single vote. Oh, my that's and great. the entire East Coast contingency that was at that fest, people were like, oh, my God, you have a switchback. <laughs> like, they didn't know it was going to be there. So not only did you have to contend with a whole bunch of Oregon breweries, but you also had this really fanatical segment of Vermonters and people who were either were from the East Coast or were just excited to have it. That's including so cool. employees who I know were there. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations mm-hmm. on keeping that uh, first ever People's Choice Award here in Bend where it does belong. Anything else that you would like to let people know? Uh, what food cart do you have at the pub at the moment? What's going on in you know late November, early December? You have so many really fun events for, for dogs. And I saw something about a Chico State alumni event. You just always are hosting good events, even without having to put on an English ale festival yet. Yesterday, we just had our Chico State Alumni Night. Um, we do that every Wednesday, Chico State Night, once once a month that we get all the alumni together. We do, we always host for like adoption dogs and, and things like that. I've been to many four-legged events there, and I've always wanted to go home with an additional eight or 12. It's, it's, it's really fun. If anybody wants to do an event at Spider City, mm. we really... Uh, just reach out to us. What's a, what's your preferred method? Is it email? Is it email? Is best. DMs? Yeah, email's best. What's, what's In, your email? Info at spidercitybrewing.com. Or you can Instagram us or face, Facebook us, you know, like, yeah, I mean, we love we love hosting the community. We love when the community comes out and supports, you know, independent craft beer. Check out there our we website. Go. That's where we have all of our events. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for coming in. Good to see you. Good to get these stories from you. And uh, see you at the English Garden, at the English Ale Fest, sir. Okay, Whenever we get that good. going. Sounds good, Brian. Thanks. Cheers. A barrel of monks, a bushel of pops, you stir it around.